so glad that you're here today at Chicopee Baptist Church. We're going to be in the book of Matthew today. We're going to carry on our uh, series. Thank you, Mr. Larry, carrying that over here. Now, I'm very thankful for Stephanie and the children's ministry team. I want you to know now that uh, I am going to begin to remind you that we uh, always need help in the children's ministry, particularly on Wednesday night. We do not do child care here at Chicopee Baptist Church. We do ministry for children. And they are learning about the Word of God. Uh, A lot of these kids are not going to get it anywhere else except for here. They're definitely not going to hear it on TV, are they, doctor? They're not going to hear it in school. And so they need it here, and we need people who will be here to help us in that journey and in that mission to teach them the Word of God. So as God lays it on your heart, and I believe He's going to lay it on some people's heart to help on Wednesday night, we would be honored to have you do that. This morning, you know, there's something that happens this time of year that many people have to deal with, and that's temptation. You know, there are some people engaged in a 21-day fast right now, and you never knew how many restaurants, how many commercials are about food, and how much you can smell food unless you're engaged in a fast. I'm telling you, I've done that before. Many people are trying to lose weight right now. They're exercising, and they're trying to cut out their sweets, and let me tell you, they have been tempted to pick something up. Has anybody here just been tempted to break your, uh-huh, I see some honesty around the room. I see it, yep, yep. Temptation has come your way that you've wanted to go, you know, just one peanut butter, peanut butter ball won't hurt anything. Just one, Mr. Marion. I mean, come on. Temptation comes at us in many different ways and many different forms at many different times. And it is a real thing that we deal with each and every day of our life, really. We're going to be looking at something very interesting in Matthew chapter 4 today. Jesus has been baptized, and he has been baptized in the River Jordan. A dove descended in chapter 3 and landed upon him. And that was like the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God descended on him like a dove and, and lightning, lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now hold on to that for a second because there is a voice from heaven that declared, This is my beloved what? Son. Son in whom I am well pleased. So there is a stamp of identity placed upon Jesus at his baptism, a declaration that he is the son of the living God. Now, as soon as this takes place, we move into Matthew chapter 4, which is kind of odd. And what I'd like for us to do is if we could all stand as we read God's word in honor and respect of his word Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 reads this way. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. Can I add a commentary just right there? Uh, duh. 
Verse 3, And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son that you declared without question that he was your son. Not just a prophet, not just a good man, not just a teacher, but your son, the son of the living God. And Father, today may we grow and learn from when the Spirit led Jesus into a wilderness to be tested. May it impact our life this day. In the matchless name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness. So let me begin by reminding you that Jesus didn't accidentally go into the wilderness, that he didn't get lost and find himself in the wilderness. And can I also say that he was not being punished because he was in the wilderness? Too often times people think, simply because you're in the wilderness, I did something wrong. Or people will assume, because you're in the wilderness, you must have done something wrong. That is not always the case, and we can see that here. Jesus has done nothing to be punished. So him being led by the Spirit into the wilderness was not because of him being punished, or he got lost, or he was confused. It was on purpose. Throughout the scripture, the wilderness is used to represent preparation, a place of testing, of trying, of of getting ready, of being prepared. Paul, after he came to know Christ in the book of Acts, he went into the wilderness for three years. You don't see this a lot in scripture. It's not talked about. But in Galatians, you can see where he testifies for three years. He was being tested in the wilderness, getting prepared for his ministry. The wilderness was a place of preparation and getting ready for something great. Forty days. Think about this. The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted, to be tested for 40 days and 40 nights. He went 40 days and 40 nights without food. Anybody here want to sign up for our 40-day fast after the service? I'm seeing heads going like this. Um, Unless God directs you to do a 40-day fast, you ain't going to do it, are you? I don't see no volunteers, nobody running up front to sign up for something like that. A 21-day fast is difficult. I've done a 21-day fast. I usually do a 21-day fast every year. I don't tell anybody when I do it, but I do it. And let me tell you, it's not easy. 
Sometimes a three-day fast can be hard. (laughs) But fasting brings us to a place where our bodies are craving food, but yet our spirits are longing for something greater, for Jesus. And so as we are looking at this, think about these 40 days. Jesus was there 40 days and nights without food getting ready. Noah and his family endured rain for 40 days and 40 nights. About like we had last night, but it was just doing it for 40 days and 40 nights. For 40 days and nights, Moses fasted on Mount Sinai as he was getting the covenant that God was translating to him. For 40 days and nights, Elijah was in the desert before being given a new commission for his life. And for 40 years, the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness getting ready for the promised land. The number 40 is important in Scripture for preparation. As we look at this, one of the things that that really stood out to me just a few years ago was the heading that I have in my Bible. Now, I'm here to tell you, Matthew did not inscribe the chapter number or the verse number, nor did he write down the heading that's in my Bible. He didn't do it for your Bible. When he wrote down the book of Matthew, there were no verses, there were no chapters. But men have divided it up and put it into chapters, and they have put headings. Anybody here have a heading over chapter 4? Yeah. Tell me what it says. First temptation. Wait a minute. Did you just use a singular or a plural word? Didn't you just say Temptation. But I thought we read about three. Hmm, isn't this interesting? So did the the ones who wrote the header, did they get it wrong? Or have I been missing something? Well, here's what I did. When I noticed that, I began to look a little bit deeper than the shallow idea of what these temptations were about. I do believe that there is a temptation of Jesus going on here. We want to divide it into three different temptations, don't we? So that would mean that we need to take our pens and we need to put at the top the temptations of Jesus. And these three temptations would cover a lot of things in our life, but it wouldn't cover all the temptations that we're faced with. But can I tell you today, I hope you begin to see that the temptation of Jesus is at the root of every temptation we face. So hold with me here just for a few moments. Charles Spurgeon said, But let us do what we will. We shall be tempted. God had one son without sin, but he never had a son without temptation. Temptation is real. Temptation we face. Temptation is not sin. It's what we do with it that will lead to sin. And who we are in the midst of it will determine its outcome. As we read through this, we can see that there are three times that the devil tries to tempt Jesus. And he uses different things, but he's always, he seems to be trying to make it look good, isn't he? Did you know that the devil knows Scripture? The devil knows the Bible. The devil can, can quote the Bible. He does right here to Jesus. I mean, hello. Jesus has written the crazy thing, and he's quoting it to him. It would be like me trying to quote the Constitution to the authors that wrote it down. The devil is quoting scripture to Jesus. But there are three things I want us to to really pay attention to today when it comes to this set of scriptures. Number one, Jesus. 
He recognized the lie. He recognized the lie. Oftentimes, we, we are faced with something that appears to be true when it is a lie. It's often wrapped in the words of compromise and tolerance. It's wrapped in good-looking packages that make us smile and feel good. In our emotions, we get excited. I want you to notice that the devil comes to Jesus when? At the beginning? When did the devil show up to try to do something in Jesus' life? According to Matthew, after 40 days, the man was hungry. I would be hungry. I got news for you. I'm hungry after one day. If you are ever interested in fasting or something... If you would like to know more information, come, come talk to me because there are certain ways that you can go into a fast and certain things you need to do as you're preparing for a fast. And, and you do not go into a fast to lose weight. If you go into a fast to lose weight, you, you want to know what that's called spiritually? A diet. <laughs> There's no spiritual benefit if you just fast to lose weight. A fast is when you're seeking God. So he goes on, on this fast. He's, he's there for 40 days and 40 nights. He then became hungry, which just blows my mind. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, since you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Which one would you like, a biscuit or cornbread? Both, depending on what you're going to have with it, right, Tim? I mean, if it's pinto beans, give me some cornbread, baby. And you better not put sugar in it, because if you add sugar to my cornbread, it's cake. Somebody tell me amen. I'm talking southern cornbread here, Eddie. But the devil comes to Jesus and says, Hey, if you are the Son of God... Now, I want you to notice something else. In your Bible, it may have the same thing in verse 6. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God. He uses that word if, doesn't he? You may want to circle those two things. And then when you get down to verse 9, he uses if again. If you fall down and worship me. Now at the end of chapter 3, who is Jesus declared to be? The Son of the living God by God himself. And then the devil says, well, since you're the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, and you're hungry and everything, I mean, come on. You need your strength, right, Clint? I mean, Jesus needed his strength. Go ahead, Jesus. Turn that stone into some bread. Well, I think there's some things that we can talk about here that's very important. I think the devil was trying to really come at Jesus and get him to doubt who he really was. If you are the Son of God, why don't you go ahead and show off a little bit? Show me who you are. Reveal to me your greatness. Do something like a miracle so I'll know for sure you are the Son of God. I got news for you. The devil knew who he was. There's no doubt. He believes in God and he trembles. He knows Jesus died on the cross for us. He knows that he's been conquered and that there is no more death or sting that can conquer us. But he doesn't want you to believe that. See, the devil comes to Jesus. He says, if you are the Son of God, See, you, you may say, well, he just heard that he is, so is he really doubting 
The devil wanted him to doubt who he was under God so that he would compromise who he was so that the plan of salvation would be thwarted. Listen to me, people. This is where the rubber meets the road. This isn't simply about being hungry and having some bread. This is about the identity of Jesus Christ and who he is. It's who he truly is that the devil was tempting him with. If you are the Son of God, you, are you really Jesus? I mean, come on. That's what the devil is trying to, to do here. And he's wanting him to compromise his mission. Listen to me. If you are the Son of God, what is he calling upon with Jesus? His humanity or his deity? Which one? It's a test. Pop quiz. His deity. If you are the Son of God, turn that stone into bread. Now, did Jesus perform miracles? Absolutely he did. Why did he not in this moment if, if it was only about bread? Because it's not. I'm not standing up here wearing this trench coat because I'm cold. <laughs> I want you to see an illustration. When Jesus was in heaven, he, he wore a robe of deity. He spoke the world into existence. He named every star. He created, he created the deer. He created the fly. He was there when man breathed his first breath. He was also there when man said nothing as the serpent spoke to the woman. He was there when David was out in the field. And when David was being rejected by his own family as a potential king. Jesus was there wearing his robe of deity. He was there when the law was given that sacrifices would have to be made and over 600 laws would have to be, be maintained and you'd have to follow these laws to be righteous. He was there. And one day, the Father says, You know, it's time. There's roadways where the news can be spread. There's a language that everybody can understand. It is time. For a new covenant. And Jesus was wearing his robe of deity and he wore it in heaven. And he was, he was proud to be there because he was Jesus, the Son of God. But then, as it became time, Jesus took that robe of deity that belonged to him and still belonged to him, would always be his. And he just shedded that robe of deity and he put on he put on that robe of flesh and he became man and at any moment Jesus could reach over and he could grab that and he could put it back on cuz he was still fully God he had access to it at any moment but yet he chose to lay it down and to become a man to live as a man because there must be that perfect sacrifice before that salvation could come. And so the devil is trying to get Jesus. Reach for it. Grab it. Pick it up. Put it on. Turn these stones into bread. Do you understand what would happen if Jesus at that moment had said, I can't do this as a man. 
I need the deity. I need some bread. Do you understand what would have happened? It would have messed up the entire plan. If Jesus had compromised at the temptation and turned that stone into bread, he would have called 10,000 angels to pull him off that cross. He would have stopped those, those Roman soldiers from whipping him in the back. He would have said, enough is enough. I'm the, I'm the son of God. You're not doing this. But instead, Jesus, in this temptation, going against who he is, he said, no. Man shall not live by just bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Has anybody ever read in Scripture where it's a sin to turn stone into bread? It's never there. Do you read where God told Jesus, do not turn stone to bread? No. So this wasn't a sin against God in terms of disobedience. This temptation was for Jesus to totally walk away from the plan. Jesus, you're hungry. You need some bread. Reach for that divinity and turn these stones to bread. Jesus said he recognized the lie and he rejected the lie. No. And what I love is what he replaced the lie with. He replaced it with truth from Scripture. He quoted the Old Testament. It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Bread is important and food is important, but we don't live by just our physical body, but our spiritual as well is what Jesus is saying. He is being faced with an identity of, of is he going to give up who he truly is? Is he going to change the devil then took him to, a, to the holy city and had him stand on a pinnacle of the temple. Now they were in the wilderness, but now he's standing on the pinnacle of the temple. And the devil's saying, hey Jesus, well, why don't you show off for a moment? Since you didn't turn the stones to bread, why don't you just jump off and all the angels will come rescue you? The devil is using scripture in something good to get at, at the identity of who Jesus really is. Trying to get him to compromise. Trying to get him to think, okay, well, you know what? It would be okay to show off. But Jesus said, oh no. On the other hand, it is also written, you should not tempt the Lord your God. Now, don't put God to the test, he said. And then on the third occasion, he takes him to a high mountain. Shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. How beautiful they are. And the devil says, hey, I'll give you all this. All you got to do is bow down and worship me. He was grasping at straws, wasn't he? Who created all of it? Jesus did. And the devil says, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give it all to you. Here was a moment to change the plan of salvation. I want you to think about this. All of these kingdoms and nations right now, they seem to be under the rule of Satan. As a matter of fact, there's a scripture in Corinthians that talks about the devil and how he's controlling. And how many of you would just believe that he's controlling some things right now? It is a mess out there. Sure don't belong to God, it doesn't appear. 
At that moment, the devil's going, look, we can fix it all right here. If you worship me, I'll give it all back to you. It can be yours, Jesus. But in that moment, Jesus understood who he was and what his mission was. And Jesus said, Get out of here, Satan. Hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back no more, no more. He said, We're done. Go. Get. And at that moment, after he quotes scripture saying that worship should be to God and God alone, the angels came and ministered to Jesus once Satan left. So here's the temptation of Jesus. It was for him to run the other way from the mission and the the purpose that he had been sent and for the real reason that Jesus was here. Pick up that deity, Jesus. Turn those stones into bread. Jump off the temple. Worship me. We'll fix this whole thing. Because he knew if Jesus continued as a man depending upon God, that he would do greater things than Satan ever thought he could. Let me tell you, church, today, that when you depend upon God for all things and put yourself under his control, you will do greater things and see greater things than the devil ever has and he ever will. That's the point. See, my God, My God, through Jesus Christ, gives us access. Why didn't God just, whenever He he judged Satan and said, you're guilty. Why didn't God just go, okay, Satan, you're done. You're not even going to be around my creation. Just think about this. Here's a thought for you to ponder. God said, Satan... Here's what I want you to watch. I'm going to create man and woman, boy and girl, who do not have the same abilities as you, who has not been face-to-face with me, who who has not dwelt here in heaven, but I'm going to create them. And when they solely and completely depend upon me, they are going to do greater things than you ever thought you, you ever could. And so here we are. In the middle of this world with the plan of salvation complete because Jesus and His full humanity, He did what God sent Him to do. In that moment, He depended upon Scripture. He depended upon the Spirit of God as it led Him into this wilderness to to encounter these things. See, in that moment, Jesus declared victory over temptation. Not only for him, but for you and I. Because in that moment, if Jesus picked up his deity to to make it through these 40 days, then you and I would be sitting here going, well, there's no way I can endure temptation. But because Jesus said no to Satan, not once, but three times, no to the temptation of laying down his humanity and picking up his deity, because he said, no, you and I can stand with the assurance, devil, you can bring it, but I got a God bigger than you. You may think that I'm weak, but when I'm weak, he is strong and he's going to build me up. Yeah, I may want something to eat, but I want God more than I want food. Those are the things that God can do in your life when you totally surrender to him. And that's the point of this, so that you can know you can have victory in temptation. 
That you can have victory when things seem like you're going to fail. Jesus did it in full humanity. He had access to deity. The temptation was for him to grab it and he didn't. He left it right where it was at. See, deception is the tool that Satan uses. And I want you to know this truth today, that the person that you believe you are will drive what you do. The person you believe you are will drive what you do. God's written word made a difference here. It made a difference because when Satan would come at him with Scripture and make it look good and try to deceive him, then Jesus would come right back with more Scripture and truth. Jesus knew the Word. He is the Word. And the devil tried to use the Word against the Word. That makes no sense. So how smart is this enemy we've got called Satan? He must not be very smart. That doesn't make logical sense. But he tried it. And i got news for you. You have access to that same Word that Jesus did. That same Word you have access to. Let me ask a question to you. Do you know who you are? If I was to walk up to you and I was to say, who are you? What would you begin with? Would you begin with, well, I'm a mechanic. Uh, I drive a big truck. I drive a big rig. Well, who are you? I'm a dad. Who are you? I'm a, I'm a husband. Well, who are you? Well, I'm a member at Chicopee Baptist Church. Well, who are you? And you can continue down the list. And then finally, finally you may say, well, I'm a Christian. I follow Christ. Can I ask you a question? Why is that not the first thing that you say? Who you are will drive what you do. There's nothing wrong with playing basketball in the NBA. But if you're a basketball player first and a Christian second, it's going to drive what you do. But if you are a Christian that plays basketball, it will dictate what you do and how you act and how you speak. It's the same thing for us. We are Christians. We are born again and we are to behave like that's who we are. What you believe you are is how you will respond and act. Jesus knew that he was the Son of God. He didn't have to have a test to prove to him who he was. He knew that he was divine and fully human. He didn't have to work it out. But the devil tempted him with his identity to try to make him think he was something he wasn't so that he would compromise the mission God had for him. Do you know your mission? Do you know who you are? The Word of God says in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 that you're, you're chosen, you're royal, you're holy. That you belong to God. Some of you in your mind just then said, well, I'm not, I'm not holy. Some of you have for years used this phrase, and I was guilty for a long time. I'm just a sinner saved by grace, Miss Judy. Just a sinner saved by grace. You know what you're identifying yourself as? A sinner. Let me tell you what the Word of God says you are. You are a saint you're holy, you're royal, you're chosen, you're a masterpiece that sins. There's a big difference there. Every time, Danielle, I've heard someone say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You know what that usually is in context of? 
some kind of sin that they've committed. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That's no excuse for your behavior. The problem is you believe you're a sinner, so you sin. If you believed you were who God said you were in Scripture, you'd be living a different life. So as we look at this temptation that Jesus was faced with, it was about His identity and His mission. When He understood who He was, He understood what He needed to do, and there wasn't any temptation that was going to thwart Him from that. So what must we do? I believe, as Dr. Neil Anderson said, the power of Satan is in the lies. If you remove the lie, you remove the power. I believe we need to know the Word of God. We need to know the truth of His Word. We need to know what it says about who we are and what we are to do and how we're to live. The Word of God isn't a big long list of rules that we have to live up to. It is a direction for life that gives us who confidence in who we are that God's designed us to be and what we are to do. John Piper said, When the powers of darkness are arrayed against you and aim to destroy your joy forever, it is infinitely precious to have the Word of God ready for the battle. You can't wait till the battle begins before you grab the Word and get to know it. You need to know it before the battle begins. After Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, prayed for the protection from the enemy, He said these words, sanctify them in the truth. If I handed you a $20 bill right now, you would be able to tell whether it was true or fake. Unless you're under the age of 25 and you don't carry cash anymore. (laughs) You'd be able to tell whether it was a real 20 or a fake 20. Most of us would. Why? Feel. Because we know what the real thing feels like, don't we, Chad? We know what it looks like. We even know what it smells like. We understand what the truth and the real one looks like. If somebody tried to give us Monopoly money, we'd laugh at them. Because we know what the real one is. We know what the truth is. Do you know who you really are in Jesus Christ? Do you really know who He has made you to be and what your mission is? This upcoming week, I want you to read. Here's your challenge. Read a chapter of Ephesians and find one thing in each of the chapters in Ephesians that declares who you are. Something that will relate to who you are in the book of Ephesians. A chapter. There's six chapters, six days if you want to do it that way. Because I want to promise you the Word of God will declare to you who you are and it's Probably not what you thought you were. When God looks at us, He don't see failures. He don't see people struggling. People that don't measure up and live up. He sees masterpieces and people who have great potential. And the devil wants you to stay in the lie that you just don't get it. That you're not going to be good enough. Grab hold of who God has made you to be. Do you know who you are? Do you know what your mission is? Pray with me. Father, we thank you for this morning and this day. We thank you for your word and the truth that it brings. We know that your word is powerful and it's sharp. And it can divide the soul and the marrow. 
Today, Father, there are people in this room, there are people who do not know who they are in Christ. They're struggling. They are, they are really having a hard time with temptation. They're having a hard time in fulfilling what you've asked them to do. God, and it can simply boil down to them knowing who they are in you. So, Father, I pray that you will, in some incredible way, minister to them right now to let them know that they can do this. That through the Spirit of God, that they can endure, that they can overcome these temptations, that they can grab hold of their identity in Christ, of who they are. Lord, and oftentimes it don't work like a light switch. Oftentimes it's like a dimmer. Each and every day, a little step closer, a little step closer. May we do that today. May we take one more step closer to becoming and knowing who we are in you and what you've called us to do. May we not compromise no matter how good the devil makes the truth, the lie look like the truth. Let us know the truth. May we follow it. Father, today there are some people that don't even know, Lord, if they're even in Christ, if they have a relationship with you, if asked, would you go to heaven? They would say, well, I hope so. And they would basic, base it on their performance. Well, maybe I've been good enough. Hopefully I haven't done enough bad things. God, it's not about performance. It's about that birth of saying, Jesus, forgive me and take over my life. Taking what he came to do and making it personal. So God, right now, for the one who does not know you, you're dealing with them. Maybe their heart's pounding. Maybe their mind is racing. Maybe they just realize all they've been looking for is in this moment that they just need to ask you to forgive them and take over their life. So Father, forgive and take over. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.